Good day, and welcome to the Talk It Out podcast. My name is Neil Bailey Harper, and today I'm here with a short story and the music of Bill Evans. The story is entitled, White Liquor in the Summertime. I love riding the trains, Amtrak. Um, When I was going away to college in the middle 70s, I always took the Trailways bus. There was Trailways and there was Greyhound. I was going from Philadelphia to North Carolina, but I always took the Trailways. Never thought about the train. As years passed, I decided the train was a really cool venue to drive from Virginia, where I now live, to my home in Philadelphia, where I was born and raised. Something about, well, the main thing was not having to worry about the hassle of driving, getting stuck in traffic. But much more than that, it was just the peace. Something about riding the train that oddly gives me peace. It gives me time to relax. It gives me time to gather my thoughts. Either from what I just left or where I was just going to or just thoughts in general. My brother and I, one of my brothers and I, recently rode the train to Philadelphia to see another one of our brothers. And it reminded me so much of the space we shared growing up as kids. Uh, We had the third floor back room. One time it was Wayne, Billy and I, but most of my remembrance is Billy and I, my younger brother, Billy. And being on that train in those two seats for that two hours up and back we talked some things old some things new some things borrowed some things blue but we talked and it took me back and moved me forward at the same time see the village of my upbringing and some things my mama taught me all gathered in my thoughts the village of my upbringing um, it has always taken a village to raise a child my personal belief it's always taken a village to raise a child a neighborhood a neighborhood not a hood a neighborhood to raise a child I believe that because that was my reality. I grew up in an ever-changing time. From the time I was born to the present day, but especially that time in the 60s and 70s. Life is changing, yes, faster now than it ever has before. But most of those changes are fostered by technology. In the 60s and 70s, 
it was more humanistic. It was it was more people motivated. The change was coming from the ground up because the people wanted change. The times demanded change. The youth didn't think the same way. It was an ever-changing time. And we ate very little fast food. Don't know why I'm connecting that too much, but it's true. We ate very little fast food. We ate mostly at home. With food prepared at home. Yes, there was the occasional take out or take in. Mostly we go out to take in. But we ate at home by food prepared by someone who lived in the household. Home cooked meals properly prepared under the same roof by someone in my household. In my case, it was mostly my grandmother, although my mother was a great cook too. We were raised by my grandmother and my mother, Irene Tallulah Bell, who lived to be 103, my grandmother. Eleanor Agnes, who lived to be 80, my mother. And years passed by. Years passed by. And seemingly we always knew, not only my home, but we knew the people in our neighborhood. I grew up on Master Street, West Master Street, North Philadelphia. And at that time, it was, it was a stability in our neighborhood. Again, that doesn't make it better or worse now. Life changes. But then, we knew everybody on the block, in the row houses that went from 2100 West Masters to 2148 on one side and I think 2149 on the other. It was like a math problem to me. But not a problem. It was my block. And not only that, our neighborhood surrounding that. Uh, GPS now, what we would call, I guess, one-tenth of a mile. Would be from one street corner to the next. Um, one-tenth of a mile in any direction. Or two-tenths or three-tenths of a mile. Of a mile in any direction. On 21st and Master Street. West Master Street was our neighborhood, was our village. Of course, on our block in particular, we knew everybody. Everybody knew us. Um, That world, my world was right in front of me always. Yes, I could escape through movies and television, Um, but I knew that wasn't my reality. I knew my reality was getting up, going to school, going to work, coming home in North Philadelphia, being mindful of where I am and then what time I'm there and how my getting there and how I'm getting back. That was a lot of my reality, but it was also my village. And when I talked to friends, who grew up, that I went to school with, or who grew up on that block with me. As singular as our parents were in personalities, 
sometimes they were reminiscent of each other. My mom would remind me of one of my friend's moms and the things she said or the things we do. You know, we, we could sit down and we could have conversations about things our parents would say. You know, we don't parent well, we don't think we parent the same way. And in a lot of ways, we probably don't. But things like our parents, we could all say, stay in a child's place. Whether you were in the North or the South, that might bring true to your ears as something you heard your parents say. Stay in a child's place. Speak when you're spoken to. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of times I thought that these were phrases used to end conversations with children. It was a way to stop it because there was nothing as a child I could come back with. That might not cause me pain. So stay in a child's place. Speak when you're spoken to. And the classic of all classics. Because I said so. That was a definite conversation ender. Because I said so. And then they give you the look like, say something now. Those things bring humor to us because we live through them. (laughs) Yeah, we live through them and we learn living through them. For me as a parent, which I always wanted to be, um, and I'm blessed to have two wonderful sons who have grown into two great young men. I took a lot of what I saw in my environment from my, my mom. My father passed away when I was very little. So I took a lot of what I saw from my mom and which I think we might all do to some extent. We take what we see from our parents and they become part of our parenting to a point. Um, I always, and I think my generation in particular was always more conversational with our parents. We always wanted more answers or had more questions for our parents. Not that they provided answers whenever we wanted them to, in my case, but we asked. So while we had that knowledge of putting in foundations of our children, putting foundations into, I looked at it as putting a brick into the wall of my son's lives, information, knowledge, letting them see certain things, having them do certain things. All of these are little bricks you put in the wall. I put in the wall so that the house, their house would stand easily through good times but because their bricks helped them stand through other times through bad times through challenging times through struggles and we parent differently but it's a different world you know I used to think wow if our parents were all such great parents why has things changed with the children of today And it's not the children of today that's changed. It's the world. You know, a lot of times people, my generation or men of a certain age or women of a certain age would want to say, well, 
if it were me now, my mama would, nah. Or my daddy would, I don't know. This is a different world. But I'm thinking about something my mama told me or things my mom said. Um, Master Street in the 70s, just to give you a picture of that four block radius or half mile radius around 21st and West Master Street, there were uh, three grocery stores, almost mini markets where you can go in and not only just get the confectionery stuff you needed, but fresh meats and vegetables and poultry and all that kind of stuff. Um, three of those grocery stores. There was a recreation center about four blocks away, straight up Master Street. There was a uh, medical center where you could walk into on any day. Professional doctors, nurse, professional medical center. If you went two blocks the other way, there was my family doctor's office. Yeah, it was a doctor's office right across from Gerard Avenue. There was a state liquor store in Philadelphia. We called them state stores in Pennsylvania. Um, there was a, a funeral home. There was a gas station, two gas stations. There was a couple of restaurants, a Chinese restaurant, a restaurant called Piggy's, which served a lot of pork meat right off the uh, grill. But more than anything, there were bars. Bars. Um, that's the only thing we could call them. Maybe if in every other corner, if you went from Master Street and skipped the corner, skipped Jefferson and went over to Oxford Street and skipped the next one and went to Columbia Avenue, there were bars that were open all day. They might have been open right when the grocery stores opened in the morning. And so they might have been the first establishments to open and possibly the last establishment to close in your neighborhood. Corner bars. Establishments where they served alcoholic beverages, where they sold liquor. No food. Just liquor. Now, growing up, I also understood that these from being there, I saw these establishments as, yes, they were bars, but they were also places of commerce. They were where anybody in the neighborhood bartered, traded with each other, uh, where information was found and lost, where uh, the numbers were played. Before any state lottery, there's a street lottery. And you knew the guys in the neighborhood collected the numbers for the street, lot street lottery. If you hit it straight, $1 might get you 300. All of these activities took place in the local corner bar. And in North Philadelphia, there was a bar on almost every other corner. I remember these establishments so well because, and the one thing looking back as I see in my mind's eye right now was they all 
looked gray. When I picture a bar in my mind, and I'm not saying they weren't good times, I'm just saying as a child, when I picture it now, when I picture it, places like uh, the Cosmopolitan, or the Checker Club, or I don't know, so many different bars, when I picture those in my mind now, I see cloudiness, a grayish atmosphere. Opening up in the morning, maybe at 12 o'clock or some at 1 or 2 o'clock, but they were open up all day. And the other distinctive thing about these neighborhood bars was that most of them, it was almost as if you were entering a buffet line. You could come in one door and there was a row of bar stools, maybe 10 to 15 with a with the bar right behind them. Maybe some other tables on the side behind behind you so you come in you walk take a come into the bar and turn right you're going down all the bar stools you see the bar behind the bar all the different kinds of beverages you could order to drink alcoholic by all means Uh, maybe a large mirror behind that and then right behind you might be a couple of tables where people could sit and enjoy their beverages always in the middle of every bar in North Philadelphia was a jukebox. I think at that time the jukeboxes might have been a quarter to play a song. Um, Each bar had its own different selections, but the jukebox was loud, very rarely played in the daytime, mostly at night. In the daytime, there was the television. Every bar had a television. And at that time, we were looking at four channels. Uh, Channel 3, Channel 6, Channel 10. Channel 3 was NBC. Channel 6 was ABC. Channel 10 was CBS. And there was WHYY, public television. But it was just on. And I always wondered... What would make someone want to sit in a bar outside of owning it? What else would make someone just sit in a bar all day? Was that a state of happiness to sit in a bar all day? I just wondered where Did that make them happy? The few people I saw that did that. And when I'm taking, in my mind's eye, I'm knowing that there are so many bars in my, in the area of North Philadelphia. Not only North Philadelphia, but that was my world. They had just as many in South Philadelphia. Just as many in the Northeastern Philadelphia. Some of them, I don't, I can't say I've ever gone into a bar where you could order a sandwich. My personal history at that time in the 60s and 70s. But they were nice places. They were always nice places. As time went on, going back to how you got into the bar, you came in one door, you can go all the way down, see everybody, and then there was another door at the other end of the bar. 
so you can use either door on either side of the bar to come in or go out. Which made bars almost tailor-made for larceny, for robbery. And that did happen. It happened several times, probably in each and every bar. I know a few I've been to, it happened. But they were still nice places run by nice people. And again, just like more so than any other uh, point in our neighborhood, they were the place where information, commerce, fellowship, all of these things came together. Where if you wanted to know something, somebody in the bar could point you in that direction. Where if you were trying to sell something or buy something, you could get information from your neighborhood bar. I remember something my mama told me. Things my mama, my mom and I, I love my mother. And we never had very long conversations. So I would listen very carefully as a teenager and as a young adult to things she would say to me because they had meaning. It wasn't about law, it was like, Here's a sentence or two. Now go study what I'm telling you. Um, because of these bars, people drink all the time. Now, maybe they... Okay, the other thing we had in, in the city were speakeasies. You speak easy of them. And after the bar would close, normally the person who ran, the, sometimes, not normally, sometimes the person who ran the bar might go run the local speakeasy. The speakeasy stayed open from two o'clock until the morning time. And mostly it was cards being played. It was liquor being drank. It was dancing. It was food. And most speakeasies, and all the speakeasies I've ever heard of, they were food. But not at the bars. Um, my mother never tried to teach me how to be a man. My mother showed me how to treat women. I worked for a, a family from the time I was 11 till I went to college and they were a father and a sister and four brothers and they owned a grocery store. And from the time I was 11 until I went to college, I worked in that grocery store. And I learned so much. And it was a blessing because it was a, I worked in a grocery store and I had 11 brothers and sisters so I could help my family put food on the table by bringing food home. And God put safety nets all around me so it was made it much harder for me to crash and burn. Not harder for me to crash, for me to crash and burn. But this one particular instance I'm thinking of, I was 17, maybe 18. I'm thinking I was a junior or a senior in high school. I'm not really sure. But the younger brother in this family who gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to help myself and my family liked to drink. So he took me to the bar. It was in the early evening after the store closed at six o'clock, we go to the neighborhood bar. And because I'm with him, 
everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people in these different bars were like, hey, get a little Neil a hit. That meant a shot. And somebody else would say, hey, hey, y'all, how y'all doing? Hey, Neil, you know, getting a little Neil a hit. That meant another shot. It was scotch. It was also June, the month of June, warm day. I'm every bit of 135, 140 pounds. So I played football in high school, so I could have been 150 pounds. But I was drinking scotch. And having a good time. And then I turned around one time and looked on the bar itself. And there might have been seven to eight shot glasses full of scotch people had bought for me. At that point, the hardest thing for me to do physically was to actually count the seven or eight. That's why I'm not sure how many it was. Shot glasses full of scotch on the bar waiting for me. I knew my goal was not to drink one more shot. But I did. Because Tyrone said he had to go to the bathroom and let's take one shot before he went. So we did. And I did it because I knew that would get him to go to the restroom and it would let me find the exit door. I remember leaving the bar the minute he closed the bathroom door and and gliding down the walls of 21st Street. You know, the the big cement wall, I even scratched myself a couple times, but just using the walls as balance because I had a block to go to get home. I got home, I don't remember. I know I was walking. And I remember thinking that the next day I would hear people laughing, telling me how funny I looked when they saw me walking home. But I got home. And I remember talking to my mom when I got in the house. I don't know what I was saying. But I remember talking to her. And that was it. The next day, my mom told me, uh, basically they had to clean me up because I threw up on myself. Um, She asked me who a certain person, certain young lady was that I was referring to in my story I was telling her. And I felt extremely embarrassed and ashamed that I couldn't take care of myself even for that little bit of time. And I had no response but to smile. But then then that evening, and I said my mom and I don't talk much. Well, we talk, but it's not, the conversations aren't long. That evening, I told her how bad my stomach felt and kind of inferred how silly I felt being in that condition. And my mom looked at me 
And the only thing she said was, white liquor in the summertime, dark liquor in the winter. I sat there and I processed it. So I wanted to make sure I heard what she said and I repeated it back. I said, white liquor in the summertime, dark liquor in the winter. And she said, yeah. That was the conversation. That was a brick my mom gave me to put in my wall. Now, eventually I have very little at times with scotch. Um, I just remember that conversation because <laughs> she wasn't telling me how to be a man. She was telling me how to treat a woman. I guess. But it's true. White liquor in the summertime. Dark liquor, dark liquor in the winter. This is uh the Talk It Out podcast with Neil Bailey Harper. I'm off the cuff today. Have a blessed and wonderful day, everyone. Talk to you soon.